Hello and welcome to the Managing Madrid podcast. We are doing a rare Wednesday recording. It's just after noon Eastern here. And you know us, this is the Managing Madrid podcast. We just love introducing new segments. We like to constantly just throw things at the wall and see what sticks. And I suspect this one will because it involves Jose Perez, who you all know by now. He writes the awesome and thorough and extremely well-researched and well-written scouting reports on our website. And has appeared on this podcast before, Jose is here today to help us preview the athletic game tomorrow. You know, that very essential Super Cup match that is being played tomorrow. Jose is going to help us preview it, and we're going to try to do this regularly. So, Jose, welcome to the show. Uh, Hello, Kian, and hello, everyone, and thanks for having me. I really look forward to start delivering scouting reports in verbal fashion. So it'll be interesting. It's It's always nice to have now kind of a preview conversation rather than me just uh, doing like a 2000 word long piece <laughs> well p- pretty well every post game podcast we've done this season uh has touched on your article in in the post game discussion or at least the ones you've you've written about cuz you haven't written one about every single game cuz that would just be psychotic and and that those literally I don't know how I haven't talked to you about the the process of writing those but I can just by reading that work I can imagine it's not something you throw together in a couple hours. So we always touch on it in the post-game podcast, podcast when it's there. And something I always mention is that I like to actually read it after the game. Uh, I don't often have time to read it before the game, just given the nature of when it goes up. But we always urge listeners, you know, like we're keeping that article for a few days after the game is over because it gives you good context to go and read it after the game and see how it lines up because it all makes sense. And anytime I read it after the game is over, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And yeah, that Jose kind of called this one. Like, you know, this is this is the way they played. And it's also interesting to see what um, teams might deviate from their normal tactics to see how they match up against Real Madrid. So it's always interesting to go back and refer to. So this is an athletic team that we're playing tomorrow. And, you know, we've played against Athletic recently. It wasn't too long we were played against them. But this is a new look athletic in the sense that this is their new manager now. So they have Marcelino at the helm now. And I'm just wondering, given that they have a new manager, like what are like the main insights you think, or what are maybe the key differences you think will face an athletic now, as opposed to like in December? Uh, So that, that that's interesting because in the end, I think, Marcelino is, above all, uh, a manager that knows really well how to build defensive systems. He always uses a very similar 4-4-2 deep or medium block. So that that is already kind of similar to what Athletic already has. Uh, So that I think the defensive side of things is not going to change much. So us, we will have to break down Athletic in a very similar way. Uh, to how uh, the team had to break it down last time. Uh, what I think will change a bit about Athletic for this one will be the offensive mechanisms, and that's the main thing that Marcelino is coming in to try to fix in this team. So I think that's interesting that you you said that because like the whole four four two, and uh, you know I watched that Barca game. I think that was the last game I've watched of them, Athletic versus Barca, and that was. Marcelino's first game in charge and like right off the bat you did see like it just they just went into that narrow 442 without without the ball like the very common one you saw him enforce at Valencia 
But as you pointed out, it's not too dissimilar to what Athletic were doing. And Athletic, you know, it's not like they can't improve defensively. Almost any team can improve defensively. And I thought maybe some of their transition sequences from what I've watched in this season could be better. But it's their attack that they need. They needed an uptick in. And in that Barca game, they did score two goals. And that was actually one of the better games of the season. But do you think... So, like, outside of a, a, a reliance on Raul Garcia and Iñaki, what is it that they could potentially change to to have an uptick in that front? Because as as you, you kind of told me off-air, just maybe the Ra- Raul Garcia reliance is nice because he's a fine player, but the Iñaki reliance can be hit or miss because you just don't know what kind of version of Iñaki you can get on his day. He's a very capable player, and against Barca, he scored two goals, I believe, if my memory serves me correctly. But um, what is it that they can do to improve um, offensively? So, oh, and so I think in the Barcelona game, it was one goal from Iñaki and another one from Muniain. And, and, You're that's, right, yeah. and it's good that it that and it's good that that pops up because Muniain is actually, in my opinion, the key to getting Athletic to improve offensively. The thing with Athletic is that for the last two to three years, uh, the offense the offense has been uh, pretty straightforward. It's uh, long ball to to Williams or Raúl García. Raúl García is like is going to do his usual bullying some poor defender somewhere. <laughs> And, and win the duels, while Williams tries to run in behind the defenses. The problem is that Raul Garcia is kind of getting older, so he's not as able to bully everyone physically as well as he'd done before. And Williams just hasn't... Yeah, he's been a bit disappointing. It doesn't help that Garitano, his previous manager, was using him like closer to the wing instead of uh, a striker. Because I have to say, like Williams is a player that I think Many of us analyst types kind of expected kind of an Aubameyang kind of evolution where he starts on the wing and then he ends up playing like a f- full-on striker and hasn't quite made that leap that we thought he would make. Marcelino, and going into the changes that Marcelino is planning to make, uh, one of those changes that we saw directly in the game against Barcelona is that Williams is getting moved to like again more central striker position instead of being on the wings, and I think that's actually I mean that's something that three minutes into the game worked pretty well because that's where his goal uh, came from. And the other thing that I think Marcelino can do is try to find. Um, Athletic has really struggled to integrate Iker Muniain, who's kind of their attacking playmaker type, uh, into the team. Like Garitano, for example, this entire long ball approach just doesn't work with like a number with a traditional number ten type. So it, it's always been hard for Muniain to actually have an important role in the team. Right now with Marcelino, I think. He will try to find it. Marcelino likes short passing in his counterattacks more than long balls, so it might he might try to find like a passing circuit where Muniain has a bigger role. So I think between shifting Williams to a more striker role and giving a bigger role to Muniain in the off- in the offense, I think those are the two ways that Marcelino could improve Athletic's offense. That's interesting, and I and I think like with Muniain. <clears throat> Because, I mean, he's such a talented player. Like, even I'd be interested to see how this evolves under Marcelino because even that Barcelona game, despite you could tell, like, this is 
this is going to take time. Like, he, obviously, you don't expect his first game against Barcelona to be this incredible performance. But even in that kind of that performance in that scheme and kind of the way Munyain played, even though it wasn't clearly like it wasn't like entirely crisp and fluid, he still had his moments of magic. And I wonder, like, do you think there's potential for Munyain to maybe play a more central role? like to grow into a central role where he's not in the wing because obviously there's no number 10 position here. But could he play in a double pivot kind of the way Marcelino used like Parejo, for example? Do you think that could work with him? That's an, that's actually an interesting question because up to now, no one has really thought about using him there. That's the thing. Like I, At this point, the answer to that question is we don't know because no one has ever tried. And I can see how it could work, and I can see, uh, like, for example, aspects to his passing and creativity that could work there. It's just that he's always played basically as an attacker and as a guy who plays, say, waiting to receive the ball in between the lines, that it's... uh, that we haven't really seen that aspect of him. We haven't seen him as like a deeper playmaker type. So I do, it could work. It is something that could work and it wouldn't be the first case of turning like a more attacking playmaker into a, I mean, that's basically how Pirlo turned into a deep playmaker. So Mm. it is something that could work, but for now it is, I don't think Marcelino will go for that. For now, I think Marcelino, usually his game plans, he likes to have, like a fast winger, like in Valencia, it could be Cherishev or, or Guedes. Um, in um, and they li- and he likes to pair up that winger with like a more uh, creative one. So it could be, for example, Soler back in Valencia. Mm. I think for now it will be Iker Muniain more starting from the wing though, but moving into more central areas. He will be a winger, but more nominally so. Like he. He will still be given freedom to like operate in more central areas. That is for sure, which is a similar thing to what happened with Soler in Valencia. So with the context of kind of how this matches up against Real Madrid specifically, uh, and I know this isn't, this won't be necessarily related to what Marcelino is doing, but the last time Real Madrid played against Athletic, just as a reminder to the listeners, was this weird game where Athletic were pressing really high and making Real Madrid uncomfortable. And then there's a Raul Garcia red card early, which derails everything. And then they start to defend in a uh, lower block, which ironically, actually, I felt made it. it, it it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to say that going up a man and playing against 10 men is more difficult. I, I, I won't certainly say that, but there was a psychological twist to it in that because they started to figure out the press um early and they were they were their passing has improved this season um beating a press so i thought that suited them better but because of the red card athletic were forced to go deeper which i think made it even more difficult for real madrid to break down ultimately they did figure it out and they did win that game but do you think we'll see something more similar to just a lower block in this game as opposed to athletic pressing high um i would say uh, by the way, all of this goes into what's already kind of the season-wide narrative in which, like, Real Madrid, if you go up and press them, they will they will figure out a way out of your press pretty quickly, but put a deep block, and yeah, the mm. team struggles a lot. 
to break that down. And because of, I, I would assume that Marcelino knows that, and he will likely choose a deeper block instead of pressing high. So if we use the example of what we saw against Barcelona, that was pretty much the plan. Like they, they did not go to press Barcelona high, uh, waited with most of the block within uh, their own half. They did go out to press in the second half of that game once they were down in the scoreline and they needed to go back uh, and, and try to turn it. To turn the result, but I would say that his initial plan will be a deeper block instead of pressing high. So <clears throat> that Barcelona game against Athletic was actually one of Barcelona's better games, and that, you know they've been in this kind of this nice run of form here, and Messi's waking up, and and I thought that Athletic game was a good performance, but they've also since followed that game with a good performance, but with specifically that Athletic game. What did you see from Barcelona that worked in in beating them? And are are there things there that Real Madrid don't do as well as Barcelona when it comes to approaching a low block like that? I think the main issue is that we <laughs> we don't have a Messi and a Dembele. That's kind of that's amazing. a laughter of sadness of like accepting a dark reality. Just nothing you can do but laugh. We don't have a Messi. It's unfortunate. We have a Lucas Vasquez. Will that yeah. work? Um, not quite. For for the for the main reason that uh, the like this worked. Barcelona's approach worked well against Athletic because they have dribblers. They have some of the best dribblers in the league. Uh, in the case of Real, I mean the best. Our best dribbler is constantly injured, so and like we would hope that Asak could like we need Asak for 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 this game because his dribbling will be would be vital to break down this defense. If Vinicius could go back to last season's dribbling form, that would also be nice because I would say that yes, having players who are good on the one versus one on the dribble, that's how Barcelona managed to break Athletic down, which is. The thing where we, where Real Madrid have been a bit lacking lately. Yeah, and that's um, the dribbling component to it. You know, when you say Barcelona have better dribblers, I mean that's true. I think I would have been disappointed if that was, uh, I guess, a claim maybe one summer ago. Because one of the things I was most excited about Eden Hazard when he first signed, obviously the world has completely changed since since that time, but. One of the things I was most excited about when Hazard first signed was his dribbling ability. I mean, he was one of the best dribblers in the Premier League. I, I believe he may statistically have been the best dribbler in the Premier League, but that's off the top of my head. That may not be true, may not may be true. But certainly he was in that sphere. And um, even like in his, in his Real Madrid minutes, like if you if you looked at a lot by the end of last season and his time on the field, he was still a really good dribbler. And Vinicius was the one that could mirror that. Um, in his own way, he was the one who would take players on, and you had you just don't have that this season. So, if, you know, Lucas Vasquez is playing really well, so I don't I don't want to take anything away from him, but I do wonder what role that Hazard will play in this game because I actually thought, you know, despite the Osasuna game being the worst XG that the club has had in some five years, I thought Hazard's performance was pretty good. Um, I think there are things he could have done better. Um, which I actually am writing about this week, but I, you know, I, I thought it was a it was an okay return to the pitch, 
And I wonder what the kind of the lineup will be like. Do you think so? A lot of people think that this is a good uh, time, Jose, to rest and rotate because it's a Super Cup. And I actually do believe that's true. I, la- last year when they announced this whole Spanish Super Cup and they were, had to go to Saudi Arabia for it and it was a semifinal, it's a new semifinal thing, it's like a cup format, I had only half-joked that they should just send Castilla because I don't want to like send everyone to like to Asia just to play this in the middle of a season where I'm more worried about like, okay, can they make a run in the league? Can they make a run in the Champions League and Copa? Can we keep everyone fresh? Um, and like sending Castilla would be like, what's there to lose? If if they lose and they were expected to lose and if they win, great. But obviously that can't be because reality is different. And I actually think that there is pressure on Zidane to, to win this thing because... Well, if you lose it, that's just it's just going to further spiral the kind of the morale. And I think you want to get some momentum heading back into the league. So I, obviously they're going to play. But I wonder, like, what do you think he does? Idan does in terms of rotations and starters. Like, will we see the the nominal Casemiro, Cruz, Modric trio in midfield plus Benzema plus Ramos plus everyone? Uh, Vasquez. I, I guess maybe Vasquez will play right back because Carvajal is not playing in this one. But what do you think we'll see in terms of rotations and, and lineups? So that's interesting because this is where I'll base my takeoff. Mm-hmm. Um, Benzema's Instagram. Um, okay. <laughs> oh, mostly, Love it. Mostly because I've been seeing the, the uh, like he he was posting like a, some videos of the training sessions like between today or yesterday. And it looked like a very uh, starters versus substitute kind of thing where mm. like it was very clear like the starting 11, what looked like a regular starting 11 versus the substitutes. And the main thing and the guys that I was seeing starting there were Vinicius and Valverde. And I mean, that would make sense. Like that would be giving our current dynamic, the Sidan's decisions and ever decision making. I guess it would make sense to have mostly the same 11, but with, say, Vinicius on the left wing and Valverde started instead of Modric. I think, yeah, that would make sense to me. Well, almost a year ago to the day, I think it was yesterday, the anniversary of the famous Valverde red card against Morata in the Spanish Super Cup, where he just hacks him down on a breakaway and takes the red card. Um, so it would be nice to get Fede back on the pitch. Also, like I don't know if you remember Jose, and, and I wouldn't blame you for forgetting because I there's so many things that have happened since then, but the Spanish Super Cup last year was the same time where, where Real Madrid were missing Benzema and and I, I think a few other players. I believe Hazard was one of them too. And Zidane tried that funky like five-center midfield lineup with Fede and Isco and Modric and Kroos and Casemiro. And uh, they played against Valencia, and they just controlled and counterpressed like maniacs, and and it actually worked. It didn't work as well against Atletico because Simeone just knows better than how to handle something like that and and make them uncomfortable. But um, that that happened almost a year ago. So do you um, do you think that uh, I've never talked to you about Hazard, but where do you kind of see like this whole Hazard trajectory developmental? thing like do you have faith that he can return to something very very useful for Real Madrid or are you kind of in the camp that this has just been a disaster and this is this is just gone this is not going to work I am so I am not positive about Asak returning to his 
uh, Chelsea goal scoring form or to like basically I if we get uh, at this point if we get like one goal or assist every two games it's not enough for a player of Asar's expect like for the expectations that we sort of have of Asar but I'm okay with that like that's kind of my expectation everything that's more than 0.5 goals or goals for, or assists per game is okay with me. Uh, but uh, I would expect, I would be a bit disappointed if, well, it's just a bit difficult now after injuries, wondering if he can go back to the dribbling, if he can go back to prior dribbling form. Because that's even, that's kind of what the team needs the most. If we could have that dribbling and use it to, for ball progression to create chances, that would be ideal. And that's a, and that's where I still don't know. Generally, what we've seen with Asak is that he get like he gets his dribbling form back. It's just that it, it happens for like he's almost back back and recovered, and then a month later he's injured again. Like yeah. that's the main issue. Uh but as long as he can recover that dribbling form every time he gets injured and get back to like some uh, goal and assist contribution, not like the ones he had in his final seasons at Chelsea. That's probably not coming back. I'm. I think. I think that is possible. It's just it'll depend on what the injury, on what the injuries, on whether the injuries continue or not. Um, do you think you could walk us through Atleti's starting lineup and any? Any injuries that that uh, they they're dealing with and how they might line up? Absolutely. So uh, for the case of Athletic, uh, the the injuries right now are uh, left back Yuri Berchich, uh, Unai Lopez, their midfielder, and Yera, and central defender Jerai Alvarez is kind of a doubt, so we still don't know yet. Uh, again, it'll likely be the, it'll be the classic Marcelino four four two. So. Very likely the center-back pair will be Unai Núñez and Inigo Martínez. Uh, Ander Capas, the right-back. Mikel Balenciaga as the left-back. We'll, we will likely have Mikel Vesga and Unai Vencedor. Vencedor, what a name in Spanish. Love it. In Spanish. It is the double pivot. And then on the wings, we're going to have Oscar De Marcos on the right, who is kind of the guy. He's a guy with a lot of work. Often plays right-back, but he's going to play right-winger. Uh, and Iker Muniain will be the more creative guy, again, on the left, who will probably try to move central from time to time if the situation allows it. And the striker pair for now seems to be Raul Garcia and Iñaki, and Iñaki Williams. So that's what very likely Real will be up against. So what are the, the key matchups that you see with a lineup like that against Real Madrid? So the main thing that I see will be um, looking at the Barcelona game. Uh, we had Williams trying to make runs in between the Barcelona center backs, and he was trying to attack also the channel between right back and center back. So the battle that I see there, that I'm seeing there, is probably Williams versus Lucas and Varane. So he will probably be trying to explore, go behind the back of Lucas whenever the team is attacking. That's kind of a that Lucas will have to watch his back. Barane will have to watch Lucas's back. That's that's the main thing that I see. The other matchup is probably Raul Garcia, as usual, trying to fight Casemiro or fight Ramos. 
That'll be uh, that. That is always a, a fun matchup. So uh, I look forward to see how that goes. And uh, at the very least, it's it's pure ratings, entertainment value. Um, do you want to get into uh, predictions or anything? What do you What do you see happening here? This hmm. that's a good question because right right now predicting Athletic is a bit. It's actually a terrible question because who like who really actually wants to do predictions because who knows what will happen ever. But um, and obviously this is a Real Madrid podcast, so if you if you say that Real Madrid can't beat Athletic or not is not going to be Athletic, then uh, that's a that's a, a grave you dig yourself. But <laughs> but be honest. <laughs> well, it's just that at least compared to I, this season, I just don't think Athletic have the offense really. Um, to do that much da- damage. I mean, they did damage in transition against Barcelona, but in all honesty, Real Madrid's transition is generally a lot stronger than Barcelona. So, uh, and it, it, it just feel. I, I think it's a bit hard for them to do much damage to Real Madrid's defensive blocks. So, from that perspective, I just find it hard for Athletic to score a goal. The question is whether. <laughs> We can score a goal, which is, that's a, that's the main thing. So uh, that's where it gets. That's where it's really. That's the part that's hard to pre- that's hard to predict. Right, and that's a, that's an interesting point because you know if you we all complain about Real Madrid's offensive problems and rightfully so, but um, their defense has actually held up pretty well of late, and Casemiro has been in good form, and the transition defense has been generally good, and. I guess this is a very low standard thing to say, but technically I think Real Madrid can actually not score in advance because it's a cup format and they can just go in a penalty shootout and, add a, and take a nil-nil into a penalty shootout and get to the final. I know that doesn't sound exciting and certainly I don't know if we all want to spend hours of our time watching that kind of football, but it is it is a possibility. Um, Jose, I appreciate your time, my friend. Thank you for doing all these awesome analyses on, on our website and giving the readers a, a ton of value with all your work. It's unparalleled stuff, and it takes a lot of research, a lot of good writing. Um, and I also just want to give our listeners a key, quick housekeeping. So tomorrow's post-game podcast is on patreon.com slash managingmadrid. And that will also be a two-parter. With a, Part two will be a mailbag with Lucas Navarrete and I. So post-game show and mailbag all over tomorrow on patreon.com slash managing will go up after the game. Jose. Thank you so much for your time, my friend. You're the best. Keep doing what you're doing, and we'll we'll chat soon. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much, Kian. Thank you very much for this opportunity to just like like just create interesting analysis content for the website. And thanks everyone for listening. See you around. <laughs>